You're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com. Now, here's the OTI guys. Hello and welcome back to the OTI Podcast. It's me, yet again, Colin Kelly, bringing you the show. And uh, today, obviously, once again, joined by my fabulous co-host here, Doug Moore, who uh, likes to give me stick about the intro from time to time but I'm, I'm happy with it so let's leave it that way but before I get to Doug I'm going to be uh, get the guest uh, announced straight away as we start the show here I'm joined today by Ben Cummings and uh, he's obviously a member of the Fantasy Football Authority podcast part of the great team there's a great team over at Draft Day Consultants we've had a lot of the guys on there so he's over there as well and he's a contributor as well to Rotoviz and the Roto Underworld we had Matt Kelly on a couple of weeks ago so if it's anywhere near as fun as when we had Matt on two weeks ago it's going to be uh, pretty awesome but as we started, Ben, uh, started just before the recording, you've made the announcement that you're uh, half Irish, so uh, welcome aboard. Yeah, man, super pumped to be on this podcast, half Irish. I have been to Ireland. I've, I've seen the cliffs of Moore, absolutely gorgeous. So, um, yeah, pumped to be here. Um, I, I'm half Irish, but I kind of look full. I'm, I'm rocking the uh, pale skin and the reddish hair in America. So, pumped to be talking to you guys. And uh, football's almost here. Let's go, baby. Yeah, he's definitely got the Irish look. And you mentioned football's already here, and uh, we're looking at uh, training camp starting up. And as we get into the news, unfortunately, we'll see that the, the injuries have already started to mount up. But, uh, Doug, uh, obviously, last week we had a lot of fun on the show. How's things been since last week? I got a bone to pick with you, Tom. (laughs) I got a bone to pick with you. This is not the Calm Kelly podcast. This is the Overtime Ireland podcast. You make it seem like I'm a guest rather than your co-host every week. I I won't stand for the slander. Always put his foot down. Doug's taking it bad. Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll let you guys hash that out behind closed doors. You know, I'll just try to be try to be a polite guest. You know, I'm, we'll see I'm what a happens. Professional. I'm a professional. I'm I gonna, can see I'm that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm not going to make a big thing out of it. But you know, he's he's been talking bad about me on social media. He knew it was going to happen. Ooh, the sub the sub tweets have been going. Yeah, for those who don't know, uh, there's been a few tweets coming in over the last week as. Uh, People, I, I've tweeted out that we were recording the show and people were asking, oh, do you have a co-host? And it was a uh, part of the show last week and uh, Doug was taken to heart. And there's been been quite a few uh, flying in this week. Uh, Eric Flynn on Twitter, I see. I'm just going down through the time feed and uh, John Bosch had uh, sent in a few comments as well. So Doug was, uh, Doug was, uh, you know, last week though, Doug, it was all positive. Uh, they got a lot of laughs out of it. So if we're entertaining one way or another, I guess we'll, we'll take that as a positive. All, all edge and down from the Gridiron Experts uh, review that had had a OTI on the list, but uh, didn't mention Doug as, as part of the team. Which is bullshit. <laughs> okay, let's get on to the on to the news. People are here to, to hear about the NFL, not to hear about Doug's uh, petty petty rants that he has to do. But we're uh, obviously people who come to listen to the show, whether it's iTunes, Stitcher, Tune, and I want to thank everyone who comes and listens each and every week. It's a lot of fun having uh, all the great listeners. And then, as we mentioned, the feedback uh, on Twitter. Is, all, is always good too to, to get that coming in as well. So if you are listening on iTunes or Stitcher, make sure you subscribe and then of course leave us a written interview. Helps us here at Overtime Ireland. Uh, this past week as well, I tweeted out that uh, we are now affiliated with uh, Amazon.com and Amazon.co.uk. So if you do use Amazon, make sure you bookmark that link that I tweeted out and don't worry, I'll be tweeting it out on many, many more occasions over the next couple of months. So uh, make sure you just book, bookmark it. And if you do buy anything off uh, Amazon, go through that link and uh, Amazon will kick a little bit back to OTI here. Um, with the start of the show, uh, there's lots of different news to go through. I'm going to start running through it. And we haven't decided yet if we're going to go through it one by one or if we're going to go through it all in one go. I think we'll do it one by one. And the first one up here is the Indianapolis Colts and his quarterback, Andrew Luck. Obviously, we talked a few weeks ago on the show, on this show about his shoulder injury and the issues that he had coming back from that and he hadn't really begun throwing or anything yet but according to general manager Chris Ballard it looks like uh, Andrew Luck is starting to make progress he's going to start training camp on the physically unable to reform list but they're pretty confident that he's going to be there for week one but again as I mentioned at the time a couple of weeks back it is still a worry that he's had to wait this long but Ben is it something that you're concerned about and have you started to uh, change your rankings for uh, wide receivers and so on in the Colts uh, roster due to Luck's delayed kind of comeback from the surgery? So Luck had surgery in January and it was originally reported that he was going to be ready for a full return in about six months. And that's kind of the time frame that we're at. 
you know, if you go back and read the Roto World blurbs, it sounds like he's been playing with this issue for close to two years now. And so, I mean, I'm definitely okay with him getting it surgically repaired. It's just, is he going to be ready for the season? What are the issues here? And it is a little concerning for sure. But, I mean, it does make sense for the Colts to take all necessary precautions with their franchise quarterback. And there has been a report lately that Luck has begun throwing, which encourages me for sure. So um, a little worried. But at the end of the day, I mean, Luck's so talented that if he came off the pup like the day before the season and still threw 300 yards and two touchdowns, I wouldn't be that surprised. So keeping an eye on it for sure, but not downgrading too much. One of the things I have done, though, is um, I believe I had Luck luck third in my rankings um, definitely going with breeze who's just so safe and has so much elite volume on his side over luck but i'm not sliding him down too far just yet yeah i'm in the same boat i haven't really slid him down he's still going in that top five uh, category for me anyway i wouldn't be putting him any lower than that and then with the wide receivers i still think that over this course of the season you're going to get luck even if he did miss week one i think he should be safe you know even if he misses two or three weeks you're still going to get him for 14 15 weeks and i think uh if you have him at your quarterback and then you have T.Y. Hilton or Dante Moncrief, I think you're just going to roll with them the rest of the way. Uh, next up, and it's bad news on the injury front, is Kenneth Dixon, uh, who tore his meniscus uh, over the last couple of days. I think it was, he tore it on Tuesday, the, uh, then he had surgery on Wednesday, and they thought it was just going to be to trim it, but it had a complete tear, it had to be uh, operated on. So he's out for the entire season, missing for the Baltimore Ravens, was missing for the first four games of the season anyway. But with uh, this injury, obviously, opens up a little bit more time for Terry. West for Danny Woodhead maybe we'll even see some Buck Allen get maybe he'll get another chance I thought he was really on the way out of Baltimore this season with the way things were standing and I think uh, obviously Danny Woodhead we've talked on the show previously about the number of targets that have to go around there in Baltimore after whether it's injuries or whether it's players moving on from last season but I think this really gives a, a good boost to Terrence West who towards the end of last season Dixon was starting to match him in carries and I thought it was going to continue once Dixon got back this season and then eventually West will be faded out. But with Dixon out of the picture now, do you think Terrence West receives the biggest bump in value here out of the, the running backs? Or do you still think that... I think there has to be a limitation on how much work Danny Woodhead can get. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree there. I mean, I think it's definitely wheels up for Danny Woodhead. But like, you know, we've talked about for months. I mean, that was pretty much the case regardless because he has a solidified role. There's all those targets that are up for grabs. And it just makes you a little bit more comfortable with his season-long outlook with Dixon, who is a pretty good pass catcher in his own right, um, you know, not going to be there at all this year. And I have been somebody who has been excited about getting Terrence West late in drafts. Uh, totally with you. I think that this probably – um, makes the best uh, this news is probably the best for Terrence West right now because now he's not going to be sharing as much rushing work with Dixon which was my thought process once he came back that it would be somewhat of a timeshare kind of like we saw at the end of last year but I was already kind of into West especially with you know looking at the beginning of the season with Dixon's suspension now he's totally gone so I'm with you there the um, the thing that is still remains to be seen is, you know, Evan, Evan Silva's already tweeting out that um, some beat reporters are saying they're not happy with their running back situation, which why would they be? I mean, West is fine, but um, if there's a better option, they're probably going to look into it. And I'm interested to see if when Ryan Matthews does get cut, if that happens in Philly, there was already a report before um, like a month ago that Baltimore might be interested in Ryan Matthews before Kenneth Dixon got uh, got hurt for the season. So I'd be interested to see if he comes in, um, believer in his talent, not in his ability to stay healthy. But if he comes in, that would crowd it and make me less excited about West. But for now, sure, I mean, he's great value in drafts. Yeah, 100%. And a lot of MFL 10 leagues have taken him late on this year. And even around uh, Dynasty draft time, there was a couple of leagues where, you know, it was people were looking to trade up and I was looking to trade back. And just as throw-ins I was getting them to throw in Terrence West to pick him up in two or three leagues and one league I, I did pay up a third round pick for him but I think when you're looking at the opportunity that was there even prior to this if you're looking at zero RB or so on like that there I think it's a, a huge huge opportunity there for him and even more so now uh, you know the downside to him was when Kenneth Dixon came back that he was going to lose that value but now it looks like there's a solid value you mentioned as well if Ryan Matthews got cut by the Eagles uh, Rashid Jennings and uh, D'Angelo Williams are two other free agent kind of veteran running backs that are on the market so they'd be another two to look out for as this progresses uh, next up Philadelphia Eagles wide receiver Jordan Matthews who uh, 
it's looking like he's going to be limited uh, for the start of training camp with a knee injury, knee tendonitis throughout OTAs and didn't uh, practice in those or it was in a limited fashion. But uh, reports coming out today that it doesn't seem to be that it's actually the injury that's holding him out. It's that he's looking to get his contract uh, renegotiated uh, before the start of the season. He's somebody who I think uh, should have a bounce back year, been moved into the slot this year with Alshon Jeffrey being signed by the Eagles. But you know, the, the knee injury and the tendonitis has been something that's been lingering on for well over the last 12 months, and obviously that is an issue, but maybe if it's not as big an issue, if it's mainly it's the contract situation that's holding them out, I would rather it be the contract situation than the knee tendonitis, but uh, are, you concerned, <laughs> yeah. are you concerned about Matthews? And then again, uh, if it is something that he's not uh, injured and it's just that he's holding out, are you looking forward to seeing what he can do this year after maybe a little bit of a down year last year? So I am a little bit more concerned with Matthews than with Luck. And, and I mean, part part of it is, you know, we can go back to January and, and say this is when he had the surgery and start the, the timetable countdown from there. With Matthews, it's a little bit more ominous, you know, when this injury started and, um, you know, how bad it is. There was another report, which was very vague in Roto World, but that there might be whispers that it could be worse than knee tendonitis and, you know, I don't really know what to think because he, I believe, set out minicamp with this. And, and I thought, oh, it's just minicamp. They're being cautious with him. But now this is bleeding over into training camp. And it doesn't make me very excited. And the other part of that is I, I'm not all that excited with him to begin with. I do completely agree with you that Alshon Jeffrey coming in and pushing Jordan Matthews back to the slot, um, back where I think that's his natural position and where he's best at, is a, is a positive for him. But, you know, still the number two in an offense sharing targets with Zach Ertz and we'll see what Torrey Smith can do. And Sproles is still there. And, you know, once, you know, I, I, I felt like he showed me some promise last year, but he still has a, a long way to go. So not somebody that I've really been targeting um, to begin with. And now you throw this on top of it. It makes me concerned. And until I hear anything positive, I I'm probably going to be staying away unless I can get him, you know, as like a, back end wide receiver four or wide receiver five but even then I, I just I don't like drafting guys that are already hurt in this tendonitis or if it is worse bleeding into training camp has me a little concerned yeah there's a concern for me too and the, you know anytime a player has injuries we've seen it last year with Alshon Jeffrey with the Bears and then he had the combination of injuries and the contract issues and that can just you know your condition and everything can start to deteriorate a little bit and uh, that never helps but uh, Matthews is somebody that I've been higher on over the last couple of seasons than the majority of people and last season was obviously a disappointment but as you mentioned if you were getting him as your wide receiver four wide receiver five you'd probably be pretty happy I'd probably still lock him into that wide receiver three category and see how he does there but uh, it's one of them things we'll see how it goes you mentioned uh you know the quarterback situation and if if he if he kind of steps forward this year as well it's going to you know Carson Wentz it's going to make a huge huge uh, boost to the wide receiver value there I can't see Torrey Smith doing a huge amount this year and Zach Ertz is somebody who while I do like he's always struggled to get into the end zone so those opportunities will be there too so I'm looking forward to seeing if he can get healthy but uh, at the minute as you said it's kind of one of those ones to, to stay away from maybe he'll start to drop down in ADP and then maybe I'll, I'll jump back in to that uh, Jordan Matthews pool again uh, Doug back to you this time and uh, the Cincinnati Bengals uh, Giovanni Bernard is uh, looks like he's 100% healthy heading into camp obviously going off that knee injury at the end of last season and I, it's well aware that uh, I like Giovanni Bernard a lot and uh, I'm, I have no shares of Joe Mixon yet and I, I don't intend to have due to mainly due to his off the field concerns I, no doubt about the talent of the player but I still think the role is there for Giovanni Bernard this year but I thought he would kind of probably start on the PUP list but to, to see him you know kind of ahead of schedule is definitely very positive Doug is, is Gio somebody that you're going to be targeting this year? Yeah I think he's someone that I'm going to try to target in the late rounds I think he's a guy who, you know, and again, Mixon is supposed to come in. It sounds like the Bengals are going to give him every opportunity to be sort of that workhorse guy for them. And granted, he has the talent for it. I've said it uh, for a while now. I think he's the most talented running back in this that came out of this draft class, albeit, you know, there, there are some very, very, you know, deep character and personality concerns. So I, I'm not surprised that Mixon's going to get a chance to be that workhorse. But I think with the fact that John Ross is coming along slowly now, granted Gio Bernard, uh, Gio Bernard is still recovering from the ECL injury, I think it's going to be a situation where um, he could still get some looks on, on third downs. I think he's going to be someone that maybe they try to slot out to the 
uh, as, as a wide receiver sometimes just to try and get him involved. Considering they did spend, uh, you know, they gave him an extension last offseason. I, I think that he's still very much going to be involved. I'm not sure he's going to ever come back to without an injury, at least uh, to say Mixon to a role where he's going to be, you know, a starter every week. But I think there are worse guys that you could go after in the later rounds, especially in PPR leagues that, um, you know, could provide you with the most upside. So that's, that's sort of where I see him. I, I don't think his stock is nearly as high as it was, you know, when Mixon wasn't there and it was just, um, you know, Jeremy Hill. So that'll be a concern, but overall, I, I think he's still going to be a guy that you could definitely spend a late round pick on and have a decent amount of upside to go with it. Yeah, he's going now at the moment in the kind of late 13th round. Uh, he's the 50th running back off the board. That is Giovanni Bernard. And then if you look at uh, Mixon, Mixon's going at the end of the third round, RB15. So you're getting him so much later than Mixon. And I think the opportunity is going to be there. I, I never buy straight into the rookies. And I think, uh, especially in redraft and just my valuation on running backs in general and dynasty, I never really go and try and get those top guys. I usually try and get a little bit of a committee going with maybe five or six guys who I think over the season two or three of them will uh, start to step up and be able to be weekly starters. Uh, ben, how do you feel about the the situation with Geo? Do you think that it's all? Are you all aboard the mixing train, or do you still think that there's a, a value there for Geo and? Doug didn't really talk much about Jeremy Hill, and I, I, I'm not a Jeremy Hill fan. Maybe you, you think there's still, still hope there for Jeremy Hill? Uh, yeah, it's looking like I'm probably the lone wolf on this one. Um, I'm just really not that interested in Geo. Um, I, I am pretty much bought into Joe Mixon, and it's just the fact that with his troubled history, he goes to Cincinnati, a team that has proven they really don't care about character concerns at all. They draft him in the second round, which basically was his ceiling in the draft because of his issues. And it just tells me that with that draft capital and their issues with Jeremy Hill, which have seemed um, pretty blatant that, you know, he's I, I think he starts day one. Uh, but Jeremy Hill is still there. I'm sure he'll see a little bit of playing time. And so you got Geo coming back from the torn ACL in a three-headed backfield. And I, I completely agree that I think he will have a role and be a pass catcher. But the problem, one of them, is the fact that Joe Mixon is an unbelievably good pass catcher and he should be utilized in that role, especially with the draft capital spent. So I think Gio will be on the field, but it's just I, don't, I have no idea when I can trust him in redraft, even in full PPR leagues. And so at the end of drafts, um, especially, you know, Scott Fishbowl, something like that's a little bit different with a lot more draft picks, dynasty, things like that. But in regular redraft leagues, there's just not enough rounds for me to consider Geo. And I'm looking at guys like Jamal Charles, who, if he stays healthy and he makes the team, I think has a chance for more upside. And guys like Jonathan Williams, who should have some standalone value behind McCoy because um, Gillisley's gone. And then McCoy, who's getting up there in age and has a lot of touches on his um, resume, if he gets hurt, then Jonathan Williams could offer me a lot more upside than a guy like Geo. So I'm looking at guys like that over Geo personally. Yeah, it's, a, it's just a different kind of perspective on what way we're looking at running backs. But I, I agree with everything you said there. Just looking at Geo and the running backs going around him at the moment, you have guys like Alvin Kamara, uh, Jalen Richard, Dion Lewis, Darren McFadden, Jonathan Williams, Darren Sproles, Marlon Mack, Joe Williams, Jeremy Hill, Thomas Rawls, <laughs> Jaquiz Rogers, Jamal Williams, as you mentioned. All of those guys, and I, I pretty much, uh, with that there being a kind of run of 10 players ahead of him, uh, I would be taking Gio ahead of those, but uh, it's uh, I'll, I'll keep letting him fall uh, fall into my lap as the, the season progresses. But again, with his injury history and uh, with Joe Mixon coming in at such a value, you know that if they take him in the second round with those concerns uh, with his past, obviously they obviously thought very, very highly of him. If they, you know, a lot of teams were saying, you know, wait to the third round and they, they weren't waiting about and they, they snapped up mixing at that point uh, i have a couple of wide receivers to talk about i'm going to run through them all and then i'm going to get the guys thoughts on them first up it's new orleans saints wide receiver uh willie sneed has signed his tender um this past monday and uh, he's a player that's you know produced con- consistently since coming in as an undrafted free agent and uh his contract for this year is still a huge, huge bargain for the Saints, $615,000, which is a lot of money for the average person, but for an NFL wide receiver who's putting up numbers 
like Sneed is definitely a bargain. Next up, Larry Fitzgerald, and he said the only reason he's still playing is because he wants to uh, win a ring. I think we all pretty much knew that, but he has refused to rule out playing uh, next season again. But somebody who, like Carson Palmer, looks to be getting closer and closer to the end of his career. The next one up then is Sammy Watkins, and he should be close to 100% as training camp starts this week. He's somebody whose foot has been an issue for him over the last kind of nine months. Uh, Really, before that he had injuries, but it wasn't the foot issue that was keeping him out as much. But somebody who, when he's on the field, particularly at the end of the season prior to last, won a lot of people's championships. Uh, the first wide receiver taken in that there 2014 draft, and we all know the talent that came out of that there. So the, the ability has never been a question. Buffalo's uh, offensive strategy has been a question over time, and then uh, obviously they didn't pick up his option heading uh, into this offseason. So with those three parts of news, I'm going to let you pick first, Ben. Is there one of those three guys that you want to talk about? I'm guessing it's probably going to be Sammy Watkins. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, well, I mean, I just like all three of these guys. I mean, I'd be totally happy with having any of them on my team. So, I mean, if we're going with one, I mean, the guy that I've really been super stoked about all offseason is Willie Sneed. I think I have him in all four of my dynasty leagues. Um, and it's, it's just, he finishes wide receiver 32 last year as the number three cooks is gone. He's essentially being drafted right around that range. So, I mean, I think he's basically being drafted at his floor and standard. Yeah. I mean, it, that's a little bit different. If you play in a standard league, he's not going to be a monster touchdown score, but in half point or PPR where those catches are just so juicy. I mean, he's just going to be a stud this year. The Saints have finished in the top five in pass attempts in nine out of the 10 years that Sean Payton has been there with Drew Brees. And so not only do you have elite volume you can bank on, but you have the quality of targets coming from one of the best quarterbacks we've ever seen. So um, I like them all, but I just love Snead at his ADP and I just want him on all my PPR teams this year. Yeah, but um, no, since since um, you know Ben talked about uh, Willie Snead. I'm going to talk about Larry Fitzgerald, and I'll, I'll be honest, that one year that he didn't do that well kind of scared me off, and then look what he did last season. Despite his age, he's still proven that he's as reliable as ever, um, You know, and I think he's going to be undervalued again just because of how Carson Palmer tapered off and just how David Johnson, the offense, runs through him. Uh, but, you know, and granted, John Brown hopefully will return to full strength, which Smoky. sounds like... Um, and, and hopefully, you know, he does have a, a much more prominent role this year. But I just think that Larry Fitzgerald, I don't know where his ADP is right off the top of my head, but I, I'm sure it's somewhere where he's still getting undervalued as usual. Um, Wide receiver 27. So I totally yeah. agree with you. Undervalued. Yeah, yeah he's, he's a... He's a high-end wide receiver three right now, then, in 12-team leagues, which is ridiculous. He finishes a top-10 wide receiver last year, and he's continued to be undervalued. So I would love having him on my team. I still think the offense is going to stay around the same. Um, you know, I, I don't think much is going to change in regards to their pass-to-run ratio, um, but I just think that Larry Fitzgerald is just that guy for them. Um, he's that guy for Palmer. He's that guy for Arians, where it, when they're in a pinch or they need somebody, it's him. So I just think that he's continuing to be undervalued based off of that. And, you know, someone's going to get a steal in whatever league you're in because he's probably going to produce, again, probably not top 10 numbers necessarily, but I think he could be a low-end wide receiver one, high-end wide receiver two. And that's being opt- and that's being maybe a little pessimistic, expecting some sort of drop-off because of his age and Carson Palmer and everything. But... Uh, Fitzgerald is going to be a steal again this year if his EDP is anything like what it is right now. So I, I like like Ben. I like all three of these guys honestly. Maybe not Watkins as much, but Fitzgerald is going to be a steal yet again, and um, I'm going to be shooting for him wherever I can. Yeah, if you're talking about uh, when they're healthy, uh, to me there's no doubt Watkins is the guy I would I would want to own uh, with talent. But if you're looking at uh, Fitzgerald, you mentioned the way they use him. They almost use him as a, as a tight end, he, you know, playing in, in close to the line of scrimmage and then getting those short pickups. But he also has the ability then to take a slant all the way to the house. And uh, he is getting older, obviously, but you mentioned how he started last year. He started the season before the exact same way with, you know, just dominating uh, kind of the first eight weeks of the last two seasons probably one of the, the top wide receivers in fantasy football but then as the season progressed he, he kind of started to break down a little bit we'll see if he can last a little bit longer this way and with him the only issue too is to see if Carson Palmer can bounce back but again down the stretch last year Palmer started to, to play a lot better 
Uh, John Brown, there has been reports this week, you mentioned him, there's, I'm a big fan of his play, and there's reports this week that he looks to be a lot healthier than he was last year. He had that cyst removed from his spine earlier in the off-season, and he had a lot of issues last year with his hamstrings. They thought it was the sickle cell trait, but it has turned out since it was a, a cyst on his spine. So hopefully he can have a, a bounce-back year too. He's somebody heading into his fourth year that I'm, I'm kind of getting excited about again, and I was happy to hear that news as well but again this time of the year i always take those bits and use with a little bit of a, a pinch of salt i'm just going to put you on the spot here now ben as you talked about uh, both willie sneed and larry fitzgerald their current adps are very very similar if you look at willie sneed he's going off the board at the end of that fifth round uh, f- five twelve overall and then larry fitzgerald's going off the board at the fifth round fifth pick out of those two guys who are you taking oh man i haven't really thought about this um i think i have Fitz- well, I have Fitzgerald. I guess I have. I have Fitzgerald actually ranked at 15 in uh, my PPR ranking. So, I mean, I'm with Doug. I mean, he's been a top 12 PPR wide receiver two years in a row, 217 catches over the last two years, 109 and then 108. So super consistent. I mean, I, I think, you know, we're just seeing um, his redraft ADP um, just, you know, there. They're, we're all ageists, you know, and, and he's close to retiring and it's dynasty season, even though it's not anymore. It's, all, it's, it's redraft season, baby. But I mean, I just think that that's part of why his ADP is a little bit lower. And I love that you brought that up because that's that's one of my points, too, is he has a very unique role of being the team's wide receiver one and essentially the team's tight end in a way. I know Jermaine Gresham kind of came on at the end of last year, but they don't use the tight end very much. And I mean, it's all Larry. And yeah, it's it's certainly smart to point out that he has faded a little bit down the stretch. But um, given the choice between those two, I'll still go Larry just because, I mean, I, I agree with you that, um, you know, it, Carson Palmer started to improve at the the second half of last year. And now the team is talking about trying to be really smart of keeping his arm fresh and he's getting older. It's a little bit scary, um, a little bit scarier than Drew Brees. But at the end of the day, I I still think Palmer has got a year left and and Fitzgerald's going to see the targets. um, And so I would go Fitzgerald over Snead. Yeah. And you know, when you look at Fitzgerald as well, there's like, I would like to own Willie Sneed in a lot of leagues, but you want to have players that you're in your fantasy and that you really want to root for and really want to watch. And there's not many more players that are as fun to watch as Larry Fitzgerald when he's at the top of his game. So I, I just love having him on my rosters. Uh, moving on yes. to la- the last piece of news before uh, we get into the ADP pairings, uh, Mary Kate Cabot of the Cleveland Plain Dealer has said that she expects Duke Johnson to be the leading candidate to replace Andrew Hawkins as the Browns' primary slot receiver. He's somebody who's caught uh, over 50 passes in his last two years obviously we think of him as a, a pass catching running back but with Isaiah Crowell expected for a big workload there this year they're they're talking about playing him out of the slot they did split out wide sometimes last year and we talked about Giovanni Bernard he's done that from time to time but to put him in and say that he's gonna be the primary slot receiver if you're drafting him as your uh, backup running back maybe your third or fourth running back that's obviously going to add a huge boost to his value if he's gonna be lined up in the slot as well um, do you think that this is something that's a realistic expectation, Ben? And if it is, is he somebody that you like as a as a player? Um, so I'm pretty skeptical skeptical about this report, uh, just because I remember a similar one coming out about Theo Riddick last off season that they had moved him to wide receiver, and I, I guess we can look at it as as similar because um, Detroit didn't really have wide receiver three. Now, obviously, at um, in training camp, I believe it was they brought in Anquan Bolden, he balled out. Um, so that kind of maybe was a huge reason why they didn't end up doing that. But Theoretic was a full-time running back last year. So I'm just skeptical about this. And even if they are doing it, I mean, I'm just not interested in a wide receiver three in Cleveland. The quarterback play just isn't good enough to sustain three wide receivers. Um, I've always kind of liked Duke Johnson's talent, but it's he just doesn't have the role. I think what this report tells me, um, it, it just solidifies our belief um, basically all offseason that Isaiah Crowell is going to be the guy again and with an improved offensive line and likely a couple more wins and what Crowell already did, I believe on a one win team last year. Um, I like Crowell and I, he's my RB 11 right now. So I'm really not touching Duke Johnson at all, unless, you know, you're looking at it in terms of, like I said earlier, that, that high um, upside latent drafts, if, Crowell goes down, then Johnson would be a pass catcher on top of likely getting a lot of that early down work, which is why I would probably prefer him um, over a guy like Gio as well, just because there's there's less guys back there. So it, if you're looking at it 
as as a kind of a free dart throw, um, I'm on board. Other than that, I'm I'm really not that interested, and definitely not from a, a pass catcher's point of view. Oh, and I and, and I just I don't mean to interject. I want to point out here, um, and I'm going to jab at, at Mary Kate Capital a little bit. Um, she's also the woman that got made fun of by Sashi Brown for all of her insistence on them going after Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, and also she's been the one pushing for Deshaun Kaiser and has made up reports about it. Um, yet the team is saying that he's not even close to being ready. So I, I just basically want to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to dig a little bit at Mary Kay Cabot. Uh, but like I said, I, I I'm going to ultimately, I agree with Ben. I, I'm going to take this, this report with a grain of salt. Um, I think he's still going to have a solid role. He's been pretty consistent, but again, it doesn't mean that he's, uh, you know, doing much in fantasy. But yeah, this is more so just to, uh, I guess, get at Mary Kate Cavett a little bit. Um, but I'll, Doug I'll, sticking I'll, shots at Mary Kate. And Cody I, I, Kessler, I trust. I, I know she's listening because everybody listens to us. So oh, for sure, for sure. Well, every, everyone le- every, everyone listens in that they know that I'm here, but they don't know that you're the co-host. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Okay, okay. But uh, no, in all fairness, uh, if you look at him, he's somebody who over the last two seasons as well, I mentioned he had 50 receptions both years. He also had 500 receiving yards in both years. And uh, there's no doubt about it. I think that if you're like, you mentioned Theo Reddick and Giovanni Bernard, I pull them all into the one pool. Those pass catch and running backs, and especially in PPR leagues, they're players that I, I target over and over and over again. And, uh, you know, every year, two or three of them will come out of the, the fold and really deliver. And Reddick last year, they did talk about him uh, working him in more as a wide receiver. I've, all, I've seen reports this week of them working him in more in the red zone. Sometimes uh, this type, time of the year, you just hear some of these reports and you just put them in one ear and out the other. And while I do think he'll be used more as a receiver, I think saying that he's going to be the primary slot receiver is a step too far. And uh, we'll see. And, you know, the Browns, there's a lot of players there that could have huge fantasy potential this year with Kenny Britt and uh, Corey Coleman might take a step forward. But when you just look around, there's been huge reports coming out this week too. Uh, Seth DeValve uh, possibly becoming, uh, you know, their next great tight end. So we'll just see, just take everything coming out of Cleveland with a pinch of salt. And most of the news you see coming out over the next two to three weeks, just... Uh, take that as well with a pinch of salt and what do you see it uh, actually happening on the field before we really bite down on it um moving on now to some candidates uh for most fantasy relevant rookies in year one um i'm going to let ben go first ben have you somebody who you think can come in and have an instant impact i'm not somebody who i don't really buy into and dynasty i obviously draft rookies but i don't buy into expecting production year one do you expect any of these rookies to come in and really dominate straight away yeah, I think uh, it's probably going to be the year of the rookie running back. I do like some of these rookie running backs, but um, yeah, tight ends take a while to develop. Um, some of these wide receivers are dealing with some injuries, and we don't know the volume that they're going to get. And then, of course, quarterbacks I don't really um, get too excited about, especially when they're rookies. So um, I'm looking at running backs, and the first guy I'm looking at is Leonard Fournette. I got him ranked as RB12 right now, and it's just – I mean – with a top five pick that they spent on him and Tom Coughlin coming in as the executive vice president. Um, and, and we just, we know that they want to limit Bortles passes and they want to lean on their really good defense, in my opinion, especially bringing in AJ Boye and Clayus Campbell and Barry church to all those other young guys that they have. I mean, I just think that he's in line for 250 plus touches and we'll see how, competitive Jacksonville can be but I see them staying in a lot of games even if, even if they lose some of them um Warren Sharp who does great work um has Jacksonville pegged as the easiest 2017 schedule in the league um looking at Vegas projected win totals and who they're going against so it's just a philosophy and the amount of volume that I think he sees and Jacksonville's offensive line isn't really a joke anymore either Um, They are ranked 13th heading into the year by Pro Football Focus. They drafted Cam Robinson in the second round. They brought in Brandon Albert. We'll see if he can stay healthy and uh, provide anything. But they also, I believe, have four offensive line starters returning. So there's just a lot of signs that um, tell me that I think Jacksonville is going to try to run a lot more, which has me a little bit down on Allen Robinson. And um, I'm I'm fine with Leonard Fournette in that uh, back-end RB1 early RB2 range. Uh, Doug, have you any other rookies that you're wanting to get a lot off uh, heading into 2017? Yeah, I think like what Ben mentioned, there's no really fancy quarterback that I'm interested in for, for 2017. But like you look at guys and I'm a huge fan of Patrick Mahomes. 
I think he's in a great situation long term, but just somebody I, I, I can't buy into this year at least. But if I'm looking at it, and like you said, too, with tight ends, they take a long time to develop. And O.J. Howard is already dealing with Cameron Brait, who people are seemingly forgetting. I love O.J. Howard, but it's going to be hard for, for yes. him to have a full role with Mike Evans, with Deshaun Jackson, with Chris Godwin, which people forget about, and then Cameron Brait, and then also their, their pass-catching guys like Jaquiz Rogers, like Charles Sims as they keep him. So it's going to be tough for him to really have a, a, a tight end one season, I think, without some injuries or just really buying over Jameis Winston. Um, but if there's one guy, we talked about him earlier, um, it's Joe Mixon. I think he's really going to be in line for a lot of work. Um, I think that they really like him. And great, like I said, he's extremely talented. Their, their offensive line is a little less shiny, I guess after losing Andrew Whitworth and um, I think it's Kevin Zeidler. Um, so I, I still think, though, that they have the pieces in place to give him a decent chance to, to put up, a, you know, I would say, if healthy, probably about 1,200 all-purpose yards um, and close to maybe 10 touchdowns. Um, and that might be really high expectations, but I think with the talent and what they've done with fantasy running backs in the past, and this is a team that made Jeremy Hill look good, um, I, I think that they have a shot at really giving um, – you know, mixing chance to, to be not only, you know, a, an impact player for, for their team, but also for fantasy owners uh, in, in year one. Yeah, no, I agree with the both of you said, and it's just if I go down through the list, just looking again at the rookies here, I, I find it hard to just buy in at the, the, especially at the draft capital, some of them are going, you know, Fournette, Christian McCaffrey, all going very, very high, even in a redraft league, so they're probably, I'm just Well, I, I, if, if you don't mind me saying, I, I know, I, I read this today on Roto World, and this is actually you know, um, Joe Mixon's teammate. Um, but John Ross isn't really getting a lot of attention. Granted, he's coming off of a shoulder injury. But if you look at his tape when he played at Washington, this guy can do something. And he could come in and overtake Brandon LaFell as their true number two wide receiver, which LaFell had some value in last year. But obviously, I think Ross is a more talented player and has more upside. So I wouldn't be surprised if maybe towards the later part of the season, John Ross actually has a very good um, second half of the season. So he's a guy to keep in mind, too. Once he's recovered, he's gotten a little more rapport with, with Andy Dalton. Um, but he, he's a guy that I, I don't think people should sleep on. He was a top uh, he was a top 10 pick, or I think it was top 15 pick um, in the draft, and they didn't pick him for him to do nothing. So I, I just think that he's getting slept on a little bit. Yeah, Ross is going to win somebody a million dollars on DraftKings at some point this year for sure. Okay, so I just want to throw out Samaje P. Ryan because I'm a big fan of, of Samaje. I really like the way he runs. Um, he's basically just a, a friggin' bowling ball out there. And if there's anybody that could be this year's Jordan Howard, I think it is Samaje P. Ryan. I was kind of thinking that in my head while I was watching tape on him. And then I go to his player profiler page months ago, and lo and behold, that is his best comparable player. Um, I think he overtakes Rob Kelly pretty quickly. Um, think Rob Kelly is a replaceable talent. And then if that does happen, pretty solid offensive line in Washington, good offense, should be a lot of scoring opportunities. So he's somebody I'm, I'm excited about this year. Yeah, he's somebody too that he, I was just looking down through the list and he's somebody who I thought that had that possibility. He's kind of the seventh rookie was uh, on the list, but still somebody who I haven't uh, bought in, uh, bought, haven't bought a lot of shares off this uh, off season. but I think he could be an interesting name to watch. You mentioned John Ross as well, Doug. I think he's somebody who, with his uh, combine time breaking the record, some people have just written him off as just a fast player, but there definitely is that ability there as well. And something to key to watch out for uh, with the Cincinnati Bengals uh, is Tyler Eifert and uh, how he progresses this off season. He's had his injury issues over the last couple of years, missed a lot of game time. And again, if he can't be healthy this year, there's going to open up a lot of opportunities for uh, even the role players in, the, in this offense. So the Bengals are somebody to watch out for, specifically Tyler Eifert. So moving on now to some of the ADP pairings that we get, uh, have to get to. Usually, uh, I always set out a, a, a list here and send the stuff over to the guys for the podcast. And usually we try and hit 45 minutes. But today, looks like we're just going to run over that again. And uh, sometimes the timekeeping can go out the window. But lots of good information coming out here. But the, the first set I have here is going to be wide receivers. Looking at uh, Alshon Jeffrey, who we mentioned earlier with the Philadelphia Eagles, and Alan Robinson, who reports have been coming out this week, is uh, negotiating a contract. Uh, extension um, uh, 
part of his rookie contract coming up now so uh, it's going to be interesting to see what the Jaguars do with him but they're both going in the late third early fourth these are players that last year were going in the late first early second so uh, quite a quite a drop in their value in PPR leagues this year but uh, kind of going in that 36 range overall out of those two guys uh, Ben which one are you uh, picking up this year? Yeah, so I guess I kind of teased it earlier. I'm going to go Alshon Jeffrey here. I have him ranked a a couple spots higher than Allen Robinson. And, you know, I'm going to chase the upside with Jeffrey. I understand that Robinson showed the upside two years ago. But um, just like I said earlier, I I just see this offense shifting. And after what he did last year, on top of the offense shifting, and there should be a little less volume overall, it just doesn't get me that excited. Um, you know, Alshon's a guy where the soft tissue injuries are absolutely a concern. I totally agree. But um, he's played 16 games in a season twice. And in those two years, he finished as a top 10 PPR wide receiver both times. So I just think looking at the depth chart, he's an alpha. He's by far the best pass catcher on the team. And then you kind of even go over to Jacksonville. And Marquise Lee was finally healthy last year. And, you know, he started to show a little bit. He was outscoring Allen Robinson in some games. And, and Allen Hearns has maintained an 18% target share all three years um, when he's been healthy out there. So, I mean, all three of those guys should be relevant. I definitely think Allen Robinson is the best of the three. Don't get me wrong, but I just, Philadelphia's offense gets me a little bit more excited. Um, They attempted the six most passes last year. So there should be enough volume to go around. And if Alshon can stay healthy, um, I just think he definitely has the ability to outscore Allen Robinson. And that's where I'm leaning. Yeah. So um, in, in this regard, it's tough because I think that when you talk about it, I think that Allen Robinson is in a a better situation, but his quarterback play is shaky. And, and a couple things that, you know, Ben brought up, I, I have to sort of argue with it a little bit. Yes, uh, the Eagles attempted a lot of passes last year. They really didn't have that guy they could rely on early downs to, throw the, uh, to run the ball, and they got that in LeGarrette Blunt this year who I think is going to get the ball more than people think. Um, if you look at what he did with the Patriots last year, he had 300 carries in the season, um, in the regular season, or at least in, in the entirety of the season itself, which finished for fifth most in the league. Um, I just think that the Eagles are going to try to control how much they rely on Carson Wentz in the passing game, give him a chance to be in some non, uh, not as many pressure situations really try to balance this offense so I think his pass attempts are going to go down but people forget that there are some guys there in Philadelphia um, you know as much as we may not like him Jordan Matthews is going to get some targets he's going to take up a good target share and then you look at Zach Ertz who continues to be really a guy who improves every year so yes I think Alshon Jeffrey is going to be a top guy uh, for them but I don't think that Jeffrey has really dealt with this type of competition uh, since Brandon Marshall left, um, or you know, when he when Brandon Marshall left, he was that guy. He was the only guy, really. And I think that there are there is some competition here in Philadelphia for targets, where I don't think he's going to have as much of a target share, albeit if he's even healthy all those uh, all those games. Which, like you mentioned, uh, soft tissue things. In the end, I'm going to go with Allen Robinson. I just think that Marquise Lee, I don't know if he's really going to have the type of year he did in 2016. It kind of reminds me of a Devontae Adams sort of thing where maybe not the best player in the world, but somehow has a good season and, you know, nobody saw it coming. Um, they got rid of Julius Thomas, where I think that's going to take, you know, give away some red zone looks. Um, you know, and, and I think that while the team does become a little more run oriented with Leonard Fournette, I just can't deny that Allen Robinson who's looking for, you know, a $15 million a year contract extension, isn't going to put everything he has. And he can't discount the garbage time. He's going to have the garbage time stats. Um, I think he's going to do better, like, you know, someone else like DeAndre Hawkins, who suffered a little bit last year due to bad quarterback play. I think Wardles, I'm not saying makes a big jump, but I think he does improve a little bit, not nearly enough to be a, you know, a guy that's relied on as a franchise quarterback. But that's only going to benefit Robinson. So, I think I'm going to have to go with Robinson here just because I think that we've seen what he can do and there's not as many injury concerns as as there are with Alshon Jeffrey. 
Uh, you have both gone one way each, and uh, I'm going to break the tie break now, and uh, I'm going for Al, uh, Alshon Jeffrey as well on this one. Uh, you know, Doug, you mentioned there. Nice. That, that you mentioned that the quarter. You mentioned that the quarterback player play Doug uh, was shaky. I thought you were going to say a, a word that begins with S H and had a different ending in it, but uh, you you were being nice when you said it was shaky. But if you look, you mentioned a word in uh, Ben, and it was alpha. And uh, you know, I look at players who I just think that they can just go out and dominate uh, the cornerbacks, dominate opposing defenders, no matter who they are. And Alshon Jeffrey just has that body type that he can just go out and do what he wants when he's in his top form, when he's healthy. And I think we could see that again. I think if you're looking at the two players, you know, a lot of the work that came from Alan Robinson two years ago was based solely on the amount of uh, targets that went his way. He got the same amount of targets last year. I believe he finished with the exact same amount of targets, but just Blake Bartle's play was uh, so erratic. And then Alan Robinson, I don't know if it was that he was doubting his quarterback, or what but there was just uh, erratic play from him from time to time as well and some of the plays that weren't completed were on his fault but I, I just like Jeffrey I like the opportunity and I, I just think that he's going to have a huge huge year this year but again uh, Alan Robinson is obviously very very talented he's going to have a good year as well but I just think if you're looking at somebody who could finish as that wide receiver one or wide receiver two I think the ability is there for Jeffrey to do it you know he fits into that Julio Jones mold and uh, they're the sort of players I always want on my rosters uh, next up then we have uh, Adrian Peterson and Spencer Ware obviously one kind of at the starting range of his career and one getting closer to the end but Adrian Peterson down with New Orleans Saints now and obviously Spencer Ware in Kansas City no Jamal Charge there this year they're both going in the late fourth early fifth around the 50th players off the board overall going to let you jump in first Ben uh, which running back do you prefer this year yeah, this is such a good one because I hate going with the offense that's not as good. Um, and I even like Kareem Hunt, but I, I still have to go Spencer Ware here. Um, obviously, if something happens to Mark Ingram, uh, Adrian Peterson is going to have probably way more upside. But right now, Spencer Ware is the starter. I think Kareem Hunt will be involved. But as much as I like him in Dynasty, I don't know how much. I mean, Ware has been pretty solid the last couple of years when he's been on the field. So, you know, the Chiefs like to run the ball. Um, I'm going to give a slight lean to Ware because he's just not at an advanced age or returning from major injury like Adrian Peterson is. Uh, Doug, you're up. Yeah, I really wanted to argue with Ben here, but I can't. I was hoping he would say Peterson so we could we could have our sides. But I got to agree, it's Ware for me as well. And there's a couple of reasons behind that. You know, we talked about it earlier, how prolific the Saints passing offense is. That's not going to change. It's going to take away rushing attempts. But the other thing, too, is Alvin Kamara, the Saints traded up to get him. Even if he's not a year one, a guy who gets 250 carries year one, he's going to be a guy who makes an impact. And then you talk about Mark Ingram as well. And if they keep someone like Cadet, you know, that's going to take away even more looks. And, and the biggest thing here is before Peterson, uh, you know, suffered the other knee injury last year, he looks like shit. So I, I don't really know why people are buying into, oh, yeah, 32-year-old Adrian Peterson is going to be the same as when he was the MVP, blah, blah, blah. No. No, it's not how that works. No, I don't know what people are thinking. Plus, the Saints just dealt with a, a big injury blow to them where they lost, um, I think it's Taron Armstead, to an injury. Um, so that's another thing to keep in mind. Well, the Chiefs have probably an, an average to an above-average uh, you know, uh, offensive line. But the biggest thing it comes down to is this, the Chiefs got rid of their top wide receiver. Uh, not their top, but one of their top wide receivers didn't really replace him, which makes me think it's either Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey or run. So I think there's a chance that they could run the ball even more um, in, in 2017, which I think opens up more for where people are sleeping on because the, the, the Chiefs went and got Kareem Hunt, which I think is more of a 2018 play. So, you know, that, that's just sort of what I think. Um, but I, I just I think when it comes down to it, people have such high expectations for Adrian Peterson. And they're going to be sorely disappointed where he doesn't go for five yards a carry and has 10-plus touchdowns. He could hit four yards a carry, maybe 4.1, 4.2. But I don't think he's going to get more than 150 touches. I really don't. Maybe 10 a week, so maybe 160. But he's not going to be the prominent guy that we've seen in Minnesota for years to, years before. Um, and, and again, he's old. So that's another thing too. Um, I, th- I think he, I think he probably does hit uh, over the ten touches on average a week. Uh, you know, and then obviously him and Mark Ingram, both of them have had their issues in their career staying healthy. So I think there'll be one of them this year that has a high upside, but I, I couldn't really call at the moment which one it is. I am 
a Mark Ingram fan, but Adrian Peterson coming in has really hurt his value as well. So it's hard to really be confident in him. And I'm going to make it a clean sweep and go with Spencer Ware. He's somebody who I just like the way he plays. And last year he was very explosive in the first kind of eight weeks of the season, similar to Larry Fitzgerald, who we mentioned earlier, and really slowed down, had a kind of wall as the season progressed. So we'll see how he can do this year. But he's somebody I'm I'm going with as well. You mentioned you both kind of mentioned you know it's a pass heavy offense uh, and. New Orleans, but the running backs for New Orleans on a, a combined basis over the last five years have kind of continuously finished in that top five of uh, running back production. So even last year, we've seen the end of the year with uh, the split between Hightower uh, and Ingram. So there is that opportunity there for them, but we'll see uh, what happens. But I, I'm going for wear at this time of the year as well. Last one up now, and we mentioned, uh, you know, the Bears and their lack of depth when we talked about Jeffrey leaving and heading to Philadelphia, but Cameron Meredith is there and he showed some nice uh, games last year and then of course Randall Cobb is somebody who has had a kind of a has had his up and down times had a, a great season uh, I think it was three years ago and then the down year last or two years ago and then a kind of mediocre year last year so both of those going in the mid eighth round getting close to that hundredth overall pick Ben out of those two which uh, which would you be going for? Yeah, I like Cameron Meredith, but I got to go with Randall Cobb. I mean, he plays with Aaron Rodgers, and the quarterback situations are just so different. Um, Even if Cobb doesn't see as much volume, that can be made up with touchdown upside and the quality of the targets from Aaron Rodgers. Um, I mean, it's – I kind of wrote an article about this on Rotoviz and kind of talked about why I want to buy Cobb on the cheap in Dynasty and in redraft because um, his ADP is like – uh, close to what it's 39 and 40 on different sites. So it's, it's kind of right there around wide receiver 40, but in the three seasons that Cobb has stayed healthy and played in at least 15 games, his PPR, his lowest PPR finish is wide receiver 25. So some of those issues have been health for himself like last year. And um, the one year he stayed healthy was two years ago, which was Aaron Rodgers' worst fantasy season by far as a pro with Jordy Nelson out and the offense just, Um, It was just one of those years. I mean, it was kind of the opposite of what the Falcons did last year. Um, But we know that historically Aaron Rodgers and the Packers um, are just going to be one of the best offenses in the league. And um, I believe it was 2014. Randall Cobb has a PPR wide receiver eight overall finish on his resume. And I just think that there's a lot of recency bias with Devontae Adams. Um, He still plays with Rodgers as well, and he has touched on upside, and so I think he's fine. But the discrepancy in ADP between Cobb and Devontae Adams just screams recency bias because we've seen Cobb have a better year than Adams even had last year. And so that touchdown upside is there, and I just – I got to roll with Cobb in the Green Bay Packers offense. I I, It sucks because I – I really, calm. You've mentioned this so many times before. It's better when people disagree. It really is. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. That sounds just like me. Yeah, but um, I have I have to agree here. I'm a huge Randall Cobb fan. Um, as I mentioned before, Devontae Adams, I think had a fluke year. I don't know if we can really depend on him. Um, I, I think he's going to regress. I think it was just an outlier of a season. I don't think Devontae Adams is very good. I don't think. It's kind of hard for a wide receiver to be good if he can't catch the ball. Um, so I, I just I, I don't have a lot of faith in him. And, you know, I, I just think that, you know, obviously Cobb has been there, um, like Ben mentioned, for a while. He's got a, a solid rapport with, with Rodgers. And Cobb has used so many different ways, whether it's a gadget player out of the backfield. He can be using the slot. He can run downfield. Um, and if, if he stays healthy, which is a big if, yes. But I think that if he can stay healthy, which he's shown he can do, I just think that he has a lot more upside than Cameron Meredith does in an offense that's really trying to discover its own identity. It's going to be a very run-oriented offense behind Jordan Howard. I just think that the Bears are going to be, you know, they're going through a a really big rebuild. You know, obviously they're bringing in two new quarterbacks who don't have a rapport with anybody yet. Um, Mike Glennon, I think he's probably better. I think he'll have a better season than Jay Cutler did last year, which isn't really saying much. Um, but who knows? It could be another guy who steps up. Maybe Glennon finds that, I don't know, Kendall Wright's his guy or whatever the case is. They bring in Jordan Howard. I think it's going to be a very run-heavy offense. Um, I don't know if Cameron Meredith is really that true number one for them. I think it's going to be a competition. I think he's the most talented for them. But I don't know if he's that true number one for them. And even if it is, it doesn't mean a whole lot when that team is inept as it is and probably is going to run the ball more than, they, than they're going to pass. 
So I, I just think that Meredith may have, you know, the upside as a, as a number one. We don't know if he's going to be a number one, and we don't really know the game plan for for the Bears as opposed to the Packers where we know what they do. Um, even if they have a running back in Ty Montgomery, who I love this year, um, I still think that Cobb is going to be involved if healthy. And, uh, you know, that Devontae Adams is going to regress. I, I, I strongly believe it. I just I don't see Devontae Adams being a, a real threat um, or, or, or solid wide receiver unless he can really, really improve. So that's just that's just me. I, I'm going to go again uh, with what Ben said and, and stick with Devon, uh, not Devontae Adams, Randall Cobb. Okay, so we have uh, we know now that you're not a fan of Devontae Adams, but Adams last year dropped six touchdowns, and I think uh, this year if he can get his hands together, I don't see a regression coming. I'm going to go with a hot take, and being a Green Bay Packers fan, uh, this is something that I don't really want to admit, but I can see this year uh, Jordy Nelson finishing this uh, as the third uh, wide receiver pass-catching option on this team. I think Devontae Adams can take a step forward, and I think Randall Cobb steps forward as well. So just with the age, with the Ooh. injury history, I'm, I'm just going to put that out there. And that's uh, just So I'm going to just, just to play devil's advocate, I, I would go for Cobb as well. But with uh, Cameron Meredith, I think we're looking at somebody who, if you're going for the volume play, I think he's going to be the number one wide receiver there by quite some distance. The quarterback play is not going to be great in Chicago but uh, I think just based on volume I think you can see him getting 10 targets each and every week and if he finishes the season uh, with 150 targets or more I think there's a huge opportunity we, we we talk about I've talked about Devontae Adams and how I don't like him calm I think he might be my Matt Jones this year well we all know how much you love Matt Jones last year you get aboard the Devontae Adams hit train and I'll just Did you, wait hold on did you say he dropped six touchdowns last six year? touchdowns six catchable passes yeah for touchdowns yeah, so so you're proving my point. Matt Jones fumbled five times in 170 something snaps, and look where he is now. He's not going to make the team. I'm looking I'm just forward to seeing Devont- how this plays we, out. This we have season. a lot more evidence that Devontae Adams is a is not a very good wide receiver, as opposed to him being a good wide receiver. So it's difficult for for one season, just like with Karen Meredith too. We've only seen so much out of him, and that was with Jay Cutler in an offense that literally has nobody else to throw to. After Zach Miller got hurt, and Alshon Jeffrey sort of quit on the team, or also was hurt, so it's just kind of difficult with their offense being revamped, and we've seen what Cobb can do. So, and, and I guess this all goes back down to uh, Devontae Adams is not a very good uh, wide receiver. He's just, not a very good quarterback. No, he's not a very good quarterback. But he's no, a, but he's no not a very good wide receiver. You need to catch the ball to be a good <laughs> wide receiver. I think he. Finished. I just can't believe we're. I just can't believe we're glossing over that hot Jordy Nelson take right there. Woo! Yeah, I will. Uh, that's something I think we need to come back to at a, another time because uh, it is pretty hot. I'll yeah. be listening. I'll be listening. Uh, Doug, I think next week we'll come back to my Jordy Nelson take next week maybe. And uh, we'll also, uh, uh, I want to uh, come up with some sort of a side bet for me and you because uh, Devontae Adams is going to roll again this year, I think. Uh, next week uh, I mentioned... Uh, talking about Jordy Nelson I think uh, we're going to have uh, Pat Fitzmaurice on next week from 4for4.com and si.com looking forward to getting Pat back on and then the week after Mike Renner of Pro Football Focus is going to be on so some great guests coming on in the next couple of weeks looking forward to getting them all in and uh, as we wrap up the show here I want to make sure you're all following Ben on Twitter it's at Ben Cummings FF I mentioned uh, all the work you can find him on two QBs the fantasy footballers you can find him on Rotoviz you can find him on Roto Underworld lots and lots of places but Ben, anything that you want to plug in particular as we wrap up the show here? Uh, so we um, we just recorded our first DFS podcast with the Fantasy Footballers. We're starting a, a second DFS podcast, and um, we'll record the second tomorrow. We're building up four shows, and we're going to drop them all at the same time. So I'm super pumped about that. I'm, I'm a DFS guy through and through, absolutely obsessed with it. So I'm super pumped, and uh, be on the lookout for that here in a couple weeks. Yeah, and always the best way to find that sort of stuff is at the Twitter handles of the guests. So obviously yes. I mentioned there already, at Ben Cummings FF. Doug's on Twitter at NFL, and I'm on Twitter as well at Overtime Ireland. I mentioned last week as well on the show um, that I'm starting to do a bit of work with Rotoviz and the 32-team the uh, preview series that is coming out of podcasts. There's already 12 episodes up. I recorded earlier today with Jimmy Durkin to talk about the Oakland Raiders, so that episode's coming out later today. So once you listen to this, make sure you go over and have a listen to that as well. And lots of great shows coming out as we cover all 32 teams for rotoviz.com. Doug, anything to mention? Uh, any podcast coming up talking Patriots this week? Uh, I don't think we're doing one this week, but I wrote my first article in almost three months yesterday. I d- dusted off the keyboard. 
I know. And it's coming out tomorrow. I talk, I actually do a um, a 53-man uh, roster projection for the Patriots. Um, Ooh. I know. I know. For uh, for Pat's pulpit. So it's, I believe, being released at 8 a.m. Eastern tomorrow morning. Uh, so be sure to check that out. Um, but you'll be seeing plenty more uh, of me writing. I think I, I think I get the writing juices flowing again. There you um, go. So um, I've been doing so much podcasting lately that I gotta I gotta balance it appropriately. So oh, that's no. just one of one of many things to come, along with our episodes of the Doug Moore podcast, aka Overtime <laughs> Ireland. <laughs> hey, I'm gonna be on the lookout to see if Deion Lewis makes the team. I can't wait. He is. I probably. Oh, okay, okay, all right. I was going to read it tomorrow, but that's that's even better. Make sure you set those alarm clocks for 8 a.m. Eastern as you can uh, get onto Doug's timeline. That is at more NFL to get that 53-man roster breakdown. But uh, looking forward to seeing it. And uh, it's always tough uh, at this time of the year projecting just who's going to make it. And then, of course, there'll be injuries that'll scream up in the middle of that. But uh, until we're back next week, as I mentioned with Pat Fitzmaurice, uh, make sure you're following at Overtime Ireland, at more NFL, and, of course, at Ben Cummings FF. And until then, have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Check out OvertimeIreland.com and continue to spread the word. This has been an Overtime Ireland production.